You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald, and it is a thrill to be with you again today. Well, you know what? I absolutely love history, but I am just such a novice, and we have got a very unique piece of history kind of right in the middle of where we get to broadcast this show. So we broadcast from Pendleton all the way down to Twin Falls, and right in the middle, of course, is here the Treasure Valley, Boise, Nampa, this area, and we have got the old Idaho Penitentiary right in a beautiful part of Boise, just outside of downtown, and it is one of only four territorial prisons that you can still go to and tour and visit, and it is just right here in the middle of our broadcast audience. And so today, I wanted to profile this wonderful and this unique historical place that we have that people can come and learn about what the West was like in the 1800s, right out here in Idaho and Eastern Oregon. And I've got an expert coming on, Amber Byerly, who is the Historic Sites Administrator for the Idaho Historical Society. She's going to come on and talk all about this today. And she's going to talk even more about what the Idaho Historical Society is, what it does, how the public can access it. And there's a legend that I had heard about how Nampa got its name. She's going to kind of straighten me out on that legend a little bit as well. So it's an exciting episode to do. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We'll have it up for you here in just a moment. Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. I really am happy to talk with you. I consider myself a very much a, a lay person when it comes to history, but a big fan and connoisseur of history. But to be able to speak with an expert on <laughs> Idaho history and the old penitentiary and things like that, I, I'm really excited to hear more. Well, thank you. The great thing is, is everyone has access to history. We, we can all start as novices. Well, I started as a novice. I've just stayed a novice. That's my thing. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. We're here to help. Well, good. Well, I'm excited to talk. And what I'd like to do is let's just start off by uh, introducing you to our audience. If you could uh, just tell everybody who you are, what you do, and kind of how you wound up where you're at. So, Amber Byerly, I'm the Historic Sites Administrator for the Old Idaho Penitentiary and Historic Sites Program uh, within the Idaho State Historical Society. So, I I work for a wonderful state agency, and really what we're doing is providing essential knowledge to the people of Idaho, that really um, linking the past and the present together. I've actually worked at the Idaho State Historical Society uh, for 14 years. I started as a weekend tour guide here at the Old Idaho Penitentiary and, and obviously just fell in love with this place and have had stints at the Idaho State Archives and at the Shippo office, and now I'm now I'm right back where I started. So definitely, I'm a native Idahoan, just a passion for Idaho and, and all things Idaho history. Now, what does a historic sites administrator do? <laughs> a lot of paperwork sometimes, but mostly the fun stuff is actually uh, telling stories and just really connecting that sense of place with uh, the narrative of, of where we are. Why, why did we get here? Do we want to keep continue going on this path and, and really looking to the past to answer some of those questions and to, to really affect the present? And so uh, a lot of what I do, we also have historic sites throughout the state in Hanson, Idaho. That's the Stricker Ranch, uh, Rock Creek Station. We have 
have some in, in Franklin, Idaho. There's some the Relic Hall and some historic homes that are down there. And of course, the Pierce County Courthouse in Pierce, Idaho. So I get to visit those places. And you know what we do is we allow the community to run those places. So mm-hmm. it's a partnership with those with those places. And we're, we're making sure that the, the people that know the history best and know the place best are the ones that are out there and, and, and telling those stories. And, and we just we provide resources. We you know, I'm there to, to help them. And of course, upkeep of the area, which can be very expensive of, of, of historic sites. So, um, yeah, that's that's the day to day stuff. But, you know, I, I, I fancy I fancy myself a storyteller and that's all I want to do. And, and and I want to make sure that we're um, we're affecting the, the present and the future. Now, as you were listing off those sites, one jumped into my head <laughs> that I've been to. And so I yeah. wanted to ask you because it wasn't on the list. And that's the Cataldo Mission. So how does that fall outside of your scope? Right. So that's actually owned by state parks. That's part okay. of the state park system. So definitely are um, within the Idaho State Historical Society. Obviously, we, we have done histories on that. It's included in the Idaho State Museum because of its importance, but it is managed by, by state parks. So it gets it gets a little odd sometimes because there are other historic places and sites that some are privately owned, some are owned uh, are managed by the Idaho State Park, some are on federal, uh, they're in the federal park system. Mm-hmm. So uh, it gets a little tricky, but those in particular are under our purview. Well, I'm always fascinated with the path that people take. So I, I'm, we're probably spending a little <laughs> bit more time on your introduction here, but I'm always fascinated with this. And I'm fascinated with the fact that, that you started out as a tour guide and then now you've come full circle and you're back as the historic sites administrator. So when you became a tour guide, did you have the intention of ultimately doing what you do now or doing something like you do now? Or was it that job that kind of gave you the interest to pursue this? I think, number one, I had a passion for history, but I wanted to be a history teacher. That was what I started out as. And so, and, and when I started here, I, I had actually just started my, uh, the master's program at Boise State, which is called Applied Historical Research, and that's really public history. Mm-hmm. And so, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I did my undergrad, did my student teaching, got in the classroom and said, okay, I'm not quite, I don't quite want to be in this formal setting, but I do want to teach people. And so, I went the public history track so that I, you know, my class classroom is the sites itself, you know, being within place. And that um, just once I started to be a tour guide, that really started to unfold where I I knew that, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do day in and day out is just um, share a place and give understanding and deeper meaning to these places that are in our backyards and that we don't know, sometimes don't know that much about or think we know a lot about. And there's so much more to tell and so many different angles to tell. So I just really encourage people you know, just live in what you want to do, you know, really work in it, volunteer so that you can find out what exactly is your passion. Cause that's what happened for me. And it was the happiest accident ever. There was an opening and, and I got it and, and here I am. Well, that's a great story. And I always like to profile things like that because I think there's, there's so many people out there with an idea of what they would like to do and they just need to kind of have that correct path laid out in front of them. And I think, doing what you did and getting your foot in the door and learning about it is is a great way to make something like that happen for yourself. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, that's a great introduction. And like I said, it's a little bit longer than normal, but I was fascinated with your path. <laughs> let's do this. I'm going to take our first commercial break. And then when we come back, let's talk about what the Idaho uh, Historical Society does. And, and we'll, we'll jump into this fascinating interview. All right, let's do it. Feeding your pet's lifelong health starts with science, and that's exactly what's behind Hills Science Diet. Made by vets, scientists, and nutritionists, 
Hill Science Diet offers biology-based nutrition for all pets with formulas for every age, size, and special requirement or need, like joint health and weight loss that create differences you can see, feel, and trust. No wonder it's the number one veterinarian-recommended pet food. So pick up Hill Science Diet at D&B Supply today. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Amber. Well, let's talk about the Idaho Historical Society. So what what is it? What does it do? Yes. So the Idaho State Historical Society is a state agency. And so we, you know, we are beholden to the people of Idaho. And our mission is to preserve and promote Idaho history and its cultural heritage. And the way we do that is obviously the historic sites program that we've talked about that we have throughout the state. We also have the Idaho State Museum, which is this beautifully newly renovated building that really tells the complete story of Idaho. And when I say complete, there is every corner is represented in Idaho. It's it's not centric to the to the south in any way. So it, we're very proud of what we've done there. And that includes the tribes, the five federally recognized tribes, uh, each got to tell their origin story in the museum. And uh, we, we do everything we can to make sure that everyone is represented there and that it's a complete story of Idaho. It also includes the Idaho State Archives, which of course houses all the important documents, photographs, over 500,000 photographs that are there, and uh, things like the, the papers of former governors and, and different things. So very important documents, uh, critical to really people's everyday lives, as well as um, just understanding the past a little bit better. It also includes our State Historic Preservation Office, which is partly feder- federally funded, and they're the ones that, that go in when um, there's an impact on cultural sites and historically significant things in Idaho. They're the ones that really go in and ensure that that impact is as minimal as possible and that all of those things are documented so that we're not losing any cultural heritage to say, you know, uh, new transmission lines or anything. These things that are that are important, but definitely um, want to maintain that connection to the past as well. So, uh, of course, we have our administrative offices here in Boise as well. So the short answer is we do many, many things, but we preserve and promote history and make sure that we are providing essential knowledge to the people of Idaho. All right. And you have a wonderful facility. I've been lucky enough to go to a couple meetings there and to visit it a couple times, but on Old Penitentiary Road in southeast Boise, right? Yes, yeah, that's where the old Idaho Penitentiary is located, as well as the Idaho State Archives. The the really cool thing is, you know, our inmate files, everything that we need to do to do research is literally like a football field away from us. So it's great. And But the, the historic site itself and the, the district here is just a, a wonderful respite. Of course, there's the Foothills Trails that are here, the Idaho Botanical Gardens, Idaho Mining uh, and Geology Museum, the Bishop's House. So it's really a great place to just, I mean, you can get a, a day full and probably a couple of days full of activities just right here. And how can the public access and use your facility? What can they do there? 
right. Well, you know, the Old Idaho Penitentiary is open seven days a week. We're in our summer hours now, which is Memorial Day through Labor Day. We're open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We have at least three guided tours every day of the week here in the summer months, sometimes up to five guided tours. And those are included with the cost of admission. We think we're pretty reasonable on admission, $6 for adults, um, you know, three for kids. So definitely uh, a reasonable uh, experience for people to come out and just really learn and entrench themselves in social justice of the West and in Idaho in particular. And, you know, you get to go inside of these buildings and these cells and and really people feel the history here. I think that's one thing that um, never you're never really ready for is just um, how much of an emotional experience it can be. And of course, for some, that can be a a paranormal experience, too. We leave that to the uh, eyes (laughs) of the beholder, of course. But I'm more interested in in the history. And then maybe if the history can inform uh, that paranormal activity, great. But and then, of course, you know, if you want to know more and you want to look at the actual inmate file and that actual mugshot, you just go right down the road to the Idaho State Archives and they can provide that for you. Well, I'll tell you what, before we go to our next break, I want to ask you about this story. Now, I already know what's going to happen when I ask you about this, but I, uh, a while back, I wanted to know more Idaho history. And so I went looking for books and I found a book at the library and it was just, I think it's just called the history of Idaho or something like that. And, and I read through it and there was some really, really interesting information in there. But one of the stories I read in there that I've been so fascinated with, and I've told over and over because I thought it was so cool was how the city of Nampa got its name. But I understand that this story that I read is mostly just a legend and not necessarily true. You know, there's there's always that ounce of truth in there. So don't be too discouraged. You just kind of, you know, you'll, you'll learn. You just kind of have to shed the layers a little bit and, and know that we like to, uh, as people, we like to embellish a little bit. So an ounce of truth. All right. Well, the story for everybody who has not heard it is that there was a, there was a guy, he was engaged to a woman, and she left him with another guy and took off from the Midwest on the Oregon Trail and he followed them, caught up with them, uh, I think around Glens Ferry or something like that. He actually murdered both of them and then became an outlaw in the Nampa area, robbing stagecoaches going up uh, to Silver City. And he had such big feet that his Indian name with the, uh, with the Native Americans that he was robbing stagecoaches with was Nampa. That's the story that I read, which is a really cool story or straight out of a Western movie. But there's maybe a bit of that that might be true, but not really the <laughs> truth about how Nampa got its name. So, you know, the Western movies happened because of West, these Old West serials, and these serials were, you know, meant to be fantastical. So, yes, a lot of that is is uh, a little romanticized. Uh, we do believe that, that, that Nampu, as he would have been called, or um, also known as Chief Howluck, um, was an actual person. And we actually think that's where they got to. So Nampu would have been Bigfoot. And so he was described as being, you know, six foot eight, 280 pounds, just this massive, massive person. Mm-hmm. And so he, Bigfoot actually, you know, so that uh, Shoshone Paiute um, word for that in Nampu probably came from that. Okay. So, so he, the actual person, um, just this kind of tale of coming from Oklahoma and, you know, half Cherokee or whatever, there's not really anything that we can find as historians to substantiate that. But there was an actual person had apparently 17 and a half inches long were his feet. So, wow. um, you know, like size eight. 
18 feet. This yeah. is, you know, a very massive person. It gets a little muddied and complicated because there was also this discovery, I believe in the 1890s, they were digging a well out there in Nampa trying to find water like we always need to. And they came across what became known as the Nampa image. And so it was this very teeny tiny, very fragile, almost toy-like thing. And, and it's actually about the size of a quarter. I mean, it's not very large at all. It's actually in the collection of the Idaho State Historical Society. But the, the very fragile thing was discovered by these men. They swore up and down that it was real, that it came from about 320 feet into the ground and um, that it came up, you know, as they were as they were digging and that maybe it was this ancient civilization. So that further exacerbates this myth of, I mean, even just Bigfoot in general, that, that maybe there was this ancient uh, people that were here. Some speculated later on that maybe it was more contemporary, that it was native, but maybe just from the 1880s, but it didn't make sense that it would be 320 feet into the ground. So it still kind of remains this mystery. And, and then some speculated that the whole thing was a hoax just to get people out to Nampa, which at one point was called like New Jerusalem as well. So there's fascinating history out there. And I know for a fact that the good folks at the Canyon County Historical Museum uh, know a lot more about that. So I always defer to, to uh-huh. experts. I'm just on the periphery of, of being a historian and just being fascinated by the story as well. That's interesting. So it's called the Nampa Image? Yes, they refer to it as the Napa image. Yeah. And it's, you know, just because of the location of where it was found mostly. And it's, you know, just a bit of an, a, an enigma for some folks. But most most people and most experts don't believe it's uh, from an ancient civilization, but a great story. So is it a coin or something? I'm, I'm trying to picture what it is. No, no. Sorry. Just about that. I was just giving you a size reference. So it's really just like a little figurine and it's, you know, like a person shaped figurine uh-huh. and it, it's just a little tiny. I mean, I, I, I can't say more than an, an inch. So it, it's a very fragile thing. That's why people, um, when, when some suggested that it was just a native American thing that they gave to their children as a toy, uh-huh. that it seems so fragile that it's not something you would give to a toy. Uh, so um, it's, it's it's sparked a lot of interesting controversy. We actually, we had it on display during the sesquicentennial, uh, the 150 years of Idaho uh, as a territory. And uh, it's same thing where it's just sort of like, you know, there there are these mysteries that, that we can't prove one way or another. We can only say what was what was claimed, where it was found. And, and sometimes you just, you, you got to go with your gut. So is that on like the city seal? I think I can I can recall seeing that. Ooh, that I'm not sure of. I don't know if it is. It might just be a, a native Oh, okay. I, I'm I'm not I'm not certain on that. <laughs> See, one. here we go again. I'm making more of a story than <laughs> that's okay. Well, the good news is you have something like this, and and uh, someone will come forward with great information. And, <laughs> that's right. And we're we're always willing to hear that great information. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take our second commercial break, and then when we come back, let's talk about the old pin and some of your favorite sites in Idaho. I'd love to. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. The chicken or the egg? D&B knows what comes first. It's Neutrina Nature Wise Layer Chicken Feed. 
which leads to both a healthier chicken and fresh, hard-shelled eggs. With over 90 years of experience raising healthy poultry, Neutrina NatureWise gives your hens wholesome, natural nutrition they can sink their beaks into. Free-range and home-raised flocks gobble this expertly designed and formulated layer feed in pellets and crumbles. So flock to your favorite D&B supply to pick up a bag of Neutrina NatureWise layer chicken feed for balanced nutrition. All right, Amber. Well, let's talk about some of your favorite sites, some of the things that jump out to you and that you just love to talk about when it comes to Idaho history. All right. Well, you know, I got to start by full disclosure, being completely biased that, uh, you know, I work at the old Idaho Penitentiary and I, I just just love this site and everything that it reveals and, and unveils to me on a, on a regular basis. Well, tell me about that. So what what is it that draws you to the old pen or that drew you to it now that you've become the expert? You know, I think it's the same thing that draws most people. And, you know, mysterious, uh, you know, museums, uh, excuse me, prisons and uh, as museums, uh, they really, you know, they're mysterious to people because most of us, hopefully, God willing, don't end up in a prison ever. So it's something that um, we have limited knowledge and access to, and we make up all kinds of stories in our heads. So when there is one that um, has been vacated, but is really much left in, in the condition that it closed in, that's kind of unlocking those secrets and unlocking those mysteries. So, you know, that's what I'd love to do is kind of find out the unknown, um, figure out what what it was like for folks. And, you know, you kind of start off with this big general history. I mean, it was open for 101 years between 1872 and 1973, mm-hmm. closed because the conditions were quite antiquated and they needed a new facility. And that was very evident and clear and still is. And then, you know, you you get this broad general history. Okay, these are kind of when these buildings were built in these different areas. But what's fascinated me about the last, you know, about five years that I've been here is we've very much focused on the inmates, the guards, the actual stories and the humanity behind it. Um, You know, corrections is fascinating. um, And we will always want to inform what's happening in corrections because I guarantee you some of the problems they have now are, are the problems they had back then. But we're really getting into, you know, what were these men and women like? What were their experiences like? And, and that's, that's the part that, that I love. And, you know, when you, when you find out about an escape and why they were escaping and what they escaped to, and it, you know, that most of them actually came back here and all those things really bring this place to life. And that's, that's the meat of it. That's what we want to get at. Really interesting. And now I know that the, the quarry up at Table Rock is just right above the old pin. So is it true that the right. stone for the penitentiary comes from right there? Yes, absolutely. And very early on, there was actually smaller quarries in the foothills. And so you'll see places, you know, as you're walking the trails and stuff that, you know, with the right eye, you can see that the the stone was taken, you know, much um, closer to the base here. And then, yes, there was a very active quarry, still an active quarry, as a matter of fact, that the inmates used up there. As a matter of fact, there was one guard and 13 inmates, and they overcame the guard as they were working in the quarry. And um, they all, you know, escaped and ran and scattered they found every last one of them and from then on a lot of them had the you know the old ball and chain or an Oregon boot that would have had to have been placed on them so yes the inmates actually cut the stone brought it down the mountain and some of them were trained as masons and different things and they constructed the buildings that they had to stay in uh there is a movie called soda springs that i came across a while back and watched <laughs> yeah. and it starts off with a gentleman getting released from prison but it's the old pen in idaho and then he's walking down the road with that in the background and then over down off a warm spring somewhere. Did you have anything to do with that? 
I was there. Yeah, Jay Pickett is a great, great guy, and he's actually a, a Valley View High School guy. And I graduated from Valley View High School. I knew his uh, his nephew Cody and everything. So that was a great experience. And I think what was great about Jay is he really appreciated the the site and really took care of it when they were here. Which not all not all film crews are alike in that way. So, but yeah, it was great to be part of that. You know, that was a fun movie, and there's a lot of Idaho based in there. It was, it was really fun to watch for That's both right. reasons because it was it was a good movie, but then. And uh, you could look around and and recognize so many places. That's right. They, you know, they filmed a lot in Emmett and um, actually our uh, president of our board of trustees, Bill Batucci, he's the former mayor of Emmett. So it was great. I mean, that was it was just wonderful to be a part of that. Oh, that's cool. Well, that that's a great start to talking about the old penitentiary. Let's do this. Let's take another break and come back. And there's no way I can do this interview without asking you about the uh, the paranormal stuff. All right, here we go. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark of hardworking and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks that fit your daily life, Stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking. Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. All right, Amber. Well, now that we're back, let's talk about the, uh, I don't know, more legend, more stories, but that's drawn national attention and this paranormal stuff. So where did this all start? All right. We call, it, we call it the spooky and macabre. Okay. You know, you can't get away without talking about the spooky and macabre. Yeah. So Ghost Adventures uh, was probably the, the first um, major, uh, you know, cable network television thing that came out here. And that was in, I think they filmed in October of 2008. And I think it aired in December of 2008. And that, that definitely, I mean, people were always interested in this site. And, you know, I will say uh, in, in the past, we, we didn't do quite as many events and programs as we do now. So we've really generated a lot of interest in the site. And, and certainly paranormal is a part of that. I mean, people, again, it just kind of goes into that mystery and that unknown. And people are sort of obsessed with death and different things as well. So obviously, this place evokes all of those feelings. And so Ghost Adventures filmed out here. And then since then, you know, we've been featured on other travel channel shows, Mysteries at the Museum. I actually can reveal to you that there was a movie that was filmed out here um, just a few months ago uh, called Paranormal Prison, and it will be mm-hmm. uh, released, I, you know, you never quite know, but probably within the year. And then um, the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, they actually filmed out here as well, and it's been it's just been great to have these groups kind of come through. And then actually in the summer months, like monthly, we, uh, we also have paranormal investigations that a local group uh, of volunteers, they conduct those for us. And so we want people to come here and and if they're open and willing to experience those things what we do is provide the history and the context so we 
um, actually have identified 130 deaths that occurred either here or at nearby hospitals. Prisoners were released um, because of medical issues to the hospital, but ultimately, ultimately they were prisoners here uh, when they died. So 130 of those. And then, of course, with our prison cemetery, um, we've confirmed 55 inmates are buried out there um, and there could actually be more. We just did some ground penetrating radar and we're waiting for those results. Hmm. Well, now there are there are old prisons all throughout the United States. What draws these people to Idaho? You know, I think, number one, we're one of uh, only four territorial prisons that are open to the public. There's far older uh, ones, Eastern State Penitentiary being sort of the the, the, the pinnacle in, in Philadelphia. But yeah, one of only four territorial prisons, mostly in the West, because those are um, much later and in better condition. And I think ours is very just, it's very intact. There were, there were some riots in which some of the buildings were destroyed, but really it's a complete site. And I think... What's enjoyable for folks is we really we allow people to self guide so you can go at your own pace, but we also have the guided tours and and we being connected with the Idaho State Archives, we have so much more accessibility to the records because uh, they're literally right at our back door. And um, again, I think people are really enjoying how much that we're putting out there. You know, we're not here to, to you know, sort of, oh, shelter all this information and we're the hoarders of it and we're not going to share it. You have to come here. We, we want it out there. And, and what we found is us putting that information out there and, and telling these stories only brings people in more. And so we'll, we will continue to do that. After you started getting this attention from the paranormal crowd, did the, your tour numbers, did they go up? Did you see a lot more visitors? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we contribute some of it to that. We definitely contribute a lot of it to our hard work too, as well as just being um, more entrepreneurial and, and, and embracing this. I think for some people, um, I'm, I'm not one that believes a lot in the paranormal. You know, I'm open to it. I try not to, you know, discount it in any way, but I think, you know, it's a matter of just allowing people to experience this in the way that they, they want to, and that they feel allowed to. And, and that's really important to us. That this we are the stewards of the past, where it's not ours exclusively; it's everyone's. And so we're we're just here to to, to protect it, but to to keep it open for people and open for interpretation. Well, let's take our final break, and when we come back, let's let's find out what people can experience when they come for a tour. All right, sounds great. You already know Honda makes some of the most reliable, fuel-efficient cars on the planet. And that's just as true for Honda lawnmowers. The best thing about a Honda mower is it's a Honda, which means exclusive features like a 4-in-1 twin blade cutting system that results in finer clippings for either bagging or when mulching, actually feeding your lawn for important nutrients. And it also means a highly fuel-efficient engine that's easier on the environment while you're sprucing up your environment. Plus, depending on the model, Honda residential mowers come with either a three- or five-year limited warranty. Shop Honda at select DMB supply stores in eastern Oregon and southern Idaho. Tired of choosing between feeding your lawn for a thick green turf and fighting annoying weeds? DNB Supply is here to help you do both with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed. Sometimes feeding your lawn also means feeding unwanted weeds that have taken root. That's why Scott's developed Turf Builder Weed and Feed, which uses a weed killer while also feeding your lawn to crowd out the weeds. So get to the root of your lawn issues with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed at your favorite DNB Supply. 
All right, Amber. Well, now that we're back and, you know, we're talking about everything to do with the penitentiary, let me, before we talk about tours, let me ask you about inmates. I know that the, you've got a lot of fascinating inmate stories. I want to ask you which one intrigues you the most and if you could tell us a little bit about it. Oh, you asked the toughest questions. So I tell people <laughs> there were 13, over 13,000 inmates that were here. So there are 13,000 stories that I can learn. You know, I'm probably a couple thousand in at this point. You know, we, we just worked on an exhibit this past year called the Faces of the Idaho State Penitentiary. And in that, we learned kind of more um, stories that weren't told as often. So not the big, you know, like big executions and these ones, you know, Lida Southard, you know, they call her Lady Bluebeard or Harry Orchard, these ones that some people know a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of undertold stories. And hey, there was a story uh, about a, an inmate. His name was Sam Galdos. He was in for um, violation of prohibition law. So he was he was making some booze. And, you know, just we kind of romanticize prohibition and everything. So but he's he's here. And while he's here, you know, he's, he's got a family actually in Emmett, Idaho. And his daughter actually died while he was in prison. And, you know, we can kind of look back at prohibition and we sort of think, oh, my God, there was a time, you know, you couldn't just go buy a beer. I mean, that was illegal to, right. to, to do that, you know, um, and that, you know, he, he was kind of he was trying to be industrious. I mean, he's trying to provide for his family because they, you could make a lot of money by violating the prohibition laws mm-hmm. and to to lose his daughter during that, that time. And, um, Sam ended up, he, he gets out and, um, he, he really created a great life. He ended up as a, um, owned a, a, a boarding house, a little hotel uh, type thing there and, and really became, you know, his, his son joined the military. I mean, they just became this very uh, working class family. And it's the it's the stories that you don't get to hear, you know, that he didn't he didn't keep violating the law or being a murderer or anything like that. Sure. He came here, he did his time, but that he experienced all this tragedy within that, too. And, and those are the stories that just get to me where I'm like, these are these are these are people, these are human beings. And yes, some of them did bad, horrible things, mm-hmm. uh, but some of them made a mistake. And so that's, so I always, I kind of connect with Sam in that way. And I even call him Sam, you know, I mean, <laughs> his name was, uh, you know, it's just, that's the way we, we kind of get with these guys. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about tours for a moment. So you mentioned that there's both self-guided, but then also guided tours. So if somebody has not been there and they come out, what will they get on a self-guided versus a guided tour? Right. So on the guided tour, you're you're going to hear the details of those stories, and like ones I, I just mentioned. But a lot of those stories, we, we if you're doing self-guided, there are uh, exhibits throughout the yard. And we've done a lot of like just biographies, just kind of highlighting. We've got a, a mug shot and then the biography of an inmate trying to talk about what his life was like here, but also trying to kind of encompass what his life was like before and after. And I should say, um, you can tour through the, the women's ward as well. People don't don't, sometimes don't know that that women were were held uh, here as well, mm-hmm. and so you're gonna you're gonna experience four different cell blocks. You're gonna uh, experience Siberia, which was the punishment cells. And then we also have this wonderful bonus museum called the J. Curtis Earl Weapons Exhibit. It's a historic collection of weaponry from Bronze Age spearheads up until fairly modern times around the Vietnam War era. And um, it was extensive collection. We had a lot of military history in there as well. So it's very uh, extensive history. So it's this bonus museum that doesn't cost anything extra. But like I was mentioning, the face of the Idaho State Penitentiary is, is probably the, the best exhibit. Uh, it is the best exhibit that we have on site, our newest one. And we have a biography of an inmate from every state of the union. Um, we also identified 
inmates from 46 different countries. And then we made a lot of connections to the present about how crimes have changed, how our social mores have changed, things like that. So that's what you're going to get in a self-guided tour. Those guided tours, again, you're just going to get far more detail about particular things. You're going to have access to a few areas that are normally off limits or gallows area um, and have some more detail about executions and things. And we do try to cater it to our audience. So if there are young people, we'll at least give you the warning that we're about to talk about something that could be unpleasant for them. Well, it's a fascinating place and, and really everybody should take advantage of it if you're anywhere within the sound of my voice to come and check it out. And you said it's one of only four territorial prisons that you can tour. Is that right? Yes, there's. that's absolutely right. There's one in Deer Lodge, Montana, um, Laramie, Wyoming, Yuma, Arizona, and us. Those are the territorial prisons that, that you can that you can actually access. Very cool. Something very unique for everybody who is within our listening audience. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing it with us. Really appreciate it, Amber. Well, thank you. Anytime. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>